Greetings friends, I'm Galen, and welcome to the Gaming Adventure and Discovery Explorers. A show about our adventures and discoveries as we explore the world of gaming. I'm Chad. On today's show... A Dungeons & Dragons campaign debriefed. Let's, Let's explore! Hey, Chad, my friend, how you doing? I'm pretty good. I just was coughing, and now I'm not, so let's hope. <laughs> so that's perfect. That sets a good tone for the show, coughing and then not. Yeah. Especially the not. But I'm a little I'm a little sad. Oh, sad. Part of me is sad, and part of me is not. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about that. About a week and a half or two weeks ago, we wrapped up our 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons campaign. Yes, we did. Uh, Mornheim Halcyon is mm -hmm. what it was called. Let's share a little bit about yes. what happened and uh, yeah. let's talk about the campaign. So you want me to take the lead or do you want to go ahead and do that? Let me begin and I'll pass right off to you here in a minute though. Sounds good. As this session opened with the group on the verge of entering a dungeon in pursuit of a group of cannibals who had tried to uh, lure them in and eat them in the campaign's first session. And your character, Men, the Warforged, had been walking around in a, in a catatonic state and was essentially functioning as a heel bot. And one of the first things that happened was that Mend awoke. And then, uh, Galen, what, what happened then? Well, it was, it was really great, because I'd been gone for a few sessions. And so Mend, like you said, acting as a sort of heel bot. And so now that I was there, we ramped it back up, and you described to me some visions that I'd been having. And we'd previously talked about it in emails back and forth, about what was going on and how, how that was functioning. And so when Mend came to himself again, he kind of stopped and talked to the party and said, I'm, I'm back. What's been happening? We did a pretty brief, for the sake of it being the last session of our campaign, we wanted to get to the action. And so we did a sort of debrief quickly where Mend downloaded all the information to the party about what he'd been experiencing in this sort of dream state. Which also gave us a chance to, to give you the catch-up, both Mend and Galen, the quick summary of what he'd missed. Yes. We knew we had the clip along, so the party entered the dungeon and sent a scout forward. It was, it was the familiar of Lilith, Travis. And Travis spotted, I think it was five flesh golems guarding one entrance that went to the right, and there was a passageway that also went to the left. Mm -hmm. And the group immediately decided to attack the golems using ranged weapons before they even entered the room, which is an important detail. So combat ensued, and it was rough. You all, like, almost died. Yes. But you discovered that the golems <laughs> were not interested in pursuing you out of the room. Yeah. And when, when you finally entered the room, you were given a riddle, which no one had any interest in trying to, to solve. Is that accurate? That was my it, observation. It was an interesting dynamic because one of the players was familiar with the riddle outside of the game. Yeah, because I'd stolen it from me. Yeah, and so remove themselves from that. I was thinking about it char character-wise for Mend, and Mend is very, what you see is what you get. He doesn't really, he doesn't think, he thinks straight ahead. He doesn't think laterally. So there was no yeah. help there. And the other two characters that didn't seem like had much uh, of an interest or ability to solve uh, the riddle. So, yeah. Yeah. So the party almost wiped, frankly, because I did not expect y'all to attack head on. But the party lived and the party um, evaded them and actually damaged two of them pretty good and then went down the other mm -hmm. corridor um, away from them, which is one of the outcomes I had expected. So you adventured further into the dungeon and... You encountered the uh, moaning, kind of crying, yes. sobbing woman in a wide spot in the dungeon. And uh, the group split in a half. One group um, circled the room very carefully and searched and found a, incidentally found a card with talons on the back. And um, you and another character just kind of waited mm -hmm. for them to, to come to return. And then you, what happened? Yeah, it's uh, since the person that we saw or that form we saw was crying and Mend being a devotee of Illmater, Mend decided to go and try and alleviate whatever suffering this being was 
experiencing, even though mm-hmm. Mend and the character that he was standing with, Arias, had sort of deduced that this was a witch. And so we were, the party was mm-hmm. very wary about it, and Mend <laughs> explicitly mm-hmm. stated, this could go very badly. If it does, run away. Um, don't try and save me. Mm-hmm. So uh, Mend walked forward. There was a period of tension as he approached the witch and she saw and and sort of started a little bit. And so Mend paused. A little conversation ensued where Mend was trying to say, I, I'm here. I think I've been sent here to assist you. I think Elmader has sent me. There was a hesitation from the witch, uncertain as to whether Mend was up to that task. When we finally reached a uh, agreement that Mend could hug her. And so Mend offered a mm-hmm. hug. Um, that was enough to appease her for the moment. Uh, but then she said in no uncertain terms, pretty much, that was nice, now go away. <laughs> and so <laughs> Mend, Mend backed yes, away, uh, rejoined the party. Which you did, wisely. She, she let you by. You yep. had done your act of mm-hmm. goodness. She got out of your way. And you proceeded on. And then shortly thereafter, a spirit form um, appeared mm-hmm. to you. And, and it had actually been following you, but the only character who noticed <laughs> yeah. right. did not say anything right. uh, twice. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Also unexpected from my part. That ghost form was a sister of the witch who you had encountered and had witnessed your good deed and then gave you the inside scoop about what mm-hmm. was going on. And it turned out the third sister was, was behind the cannibal cult. And that she had a lot of power over the first two sisters, but the ghost sister would be able to kind of, you know, help keep away and had decided to side with you or at least to not join her sister in fighting you um, when that time came because she she liked y'all because you seemed nice (laughs) or something to that effect. (laughs) <laughs> and then uh, we were running out of kind of human time a little bit. And so we advanced mm-hmm. things just a little. And, and you found a direct passage to the cannibals hideout and main lair. And uh, you entered a locked chamber and discovered a room that had a two portals that were open. So a dark one and a, a more a lighter one. And there was blood on the floor, a lot of blood on the floor, not just splatters, but pools of blood mm-hmm. underneath both of the portals. And there was an ogre with a leather mask who was pursuing an an escaping-ish prisoner uh, who was slain immediately as Mm -hmm. soon as you entered, the the prisoner was. And I think you all pretty quickly engaged, um, and there was, of course, the third sister there, uh, the Mm -hmm. boss of the whole thing. Battle ensued. I think you all did pretty well, and the ogre was killed, and the sister was injured, and she decided to flee, mm-hmm. so she fleed through the dark portal. What happened next, <laughs> Caitlin? And then, true to form, uh, Lilith, our rogue for the party, chased her right through that portal with no yeah, no totally. thought or, or yeah. conversation, just zip right through. I yep. think there was a brief both player and character shared glance am- among the rest of the party <laughs> that was still there. And yeah. one by one, we followed right through, through that portal. Everyone! That's right, that's right. <laughs> yeah. We're going to stay together this time, darn it. <laughs> totally, and so you all took a little bit of necrotic damage as you entered. But, mm-hmm. And actually, for third and fourth level characters, it was notable. Yes. I mean, it was, yeah. you know, you don't have that many hit points. but And you all were able to kill the witch pretty quickly, mm-hmm. but the portal, you know, with her death, was beginning to, to close. Yep. And I'd warned you of that, I think, even before you all went through. Yes, yeah. And so the portal was closing. You all decided to try to return. And then I, I told you all what would happen. I said, well, there's a 50% chance that it's going to close and you'll be stuck here. Mm-hmm. One in one through three, I think, was it closes. And four, five, or six, a six-sided dice, it will stay open long enough for you to escape. Mm-hmm. And so I rolled the dice for all to see with the stakes transparent and clear. That's right. <laughs> and everyone was watching. <laughs> and I, I don't remember what I rolled, but it was over. It was a four, five, or six. I remember that for sure. I think it was a five. And so... yeah. Yeah. You all were able to escape, and we had squeezed every second out of the, the session time-wise because you had to leave. Yeah, So, I, so we, we ended pretty quick. Yep. It was like, cut cut to the credits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like game over. You you win. <laughs> yeah, that's right. On the roll of the dice, right? It was perfect. Yep. It was perfect. And so that was the end of our... It was 10 sessions plus the zero session. So 10 mm-hmm. adventuring sessions and, and, uh, and session zero. Uh, and that was the end of that campaign. Yeah. So shall we talk about 
our sort of a debrief for this one and seeing how we thought it was going to go, what we had planned for it, and maybe how it changed. Yes, let's do that. That sounds great. And I have the original email that I sent to most of the group, even as the prelude. I had ended a high-level campaign uh, several, a few months before that. I had had a two-session adventure that I'd run with some people that I'd never gamed with or rarely gamed with. Mm-hmm. And so this was a longer campaign that I wanted to run with a new mix of people, some some new, some old. So I, I sent out this email. So I had some ideas about what I wanted to do. So I wanted to play once per month and fifth edition with some house rules. I wanted the folks to know up front that I might do a little experimentation. Mm -hmm. Uh, My original idea was campaign will run levels one through 10 ish, (laughs) which (laughs) that did not happen. We were level level three and level four was what we had done with that. Yeah. I had decided along the way that I wanted to try experience points. So let's talk advancement a little bit because that was a, Mm -hmm. a new experiment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to do experience, po- uh, experience points. I wanted to give XP for quests and for essentially killing monsters. So I I didn't do mm-hmm. like in, in, in the old, oldest school days, you got experience points for treasure. Right. And I didn't quite know how to do that. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't do that. <laughs> Fair um, enough. <laughs> so f- from my op- opinion, the, the way I wanted to do it was to incentivize people to do things. I wanted to give rewards for taking action. For, mm-hmm. for showing up for one thing and playing yeah. your character and for yeah. doing stuff. Right. Instead of just showing up, like showing up as part of it, but also your characters needed, I wanted to reward for resolving things. Yeah. And I think that mostly worked. What I found, though, it would have been easy for that to stall out a little bit. Like mm. there were some sessions where you guys just didn't kill much stuff. Mm-hmm. But I mm-hmm. but I knew it was a finite campaign and I didn't want, I didn't want you to be second level for more than like two sessions. <laughs> Mm, yeah, you know, yeah. I I looked at the monsters you'd killed, and I kind of prorated it, and ultimately, I just kind of DM fiated a little bit. It was half DM fiat, mm. half earned experience points for the combat. Mm, okay, and and further complicated because you know, rarely did you all kill everything. Right, often you resolved it either from just being smart or clever, and you should get experience for that, or mm-hmm. or you fled, or they got away, or whatever. Yeah, I just yeah. kind of made it up. Is <laughs> what happens. <laughs> But in that making it up, for me anyway, as a player, it felt good. It felt like a good pace. Yeah. It felt like we were doing things and it mattered and it felt like it should, I think, when you play D&D. You always feel like you are progressing. Yeah. So I have a very more specific question about that for you. Sure. Did you feel incentivized to, to take specific action because of your experience point system? Hmm. I felt incentivized to take specific action but not because of the experience points okay it was more because of the discussions we had earlier about our characters being a part of this world yeah yep and wanting to move through it kind of realistically Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. we got involved with some things Mm -hmm. and it felt like we needed to do these things our characters would do these things. Yeah. And so for me, that that's where the that incentive, incentive came from. Yep. Yeah, it was it was all character driven. Okay, great. I think that's great feedback. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, let's go to the next one. Yeah. Somewhat realistic and low magic. Uh, magic is real, but in the world it's uncommon and special. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of weird. Like, I, on one hand, I tried to make it that way, but on the other, like, the city was impossibly large and mm-hmm. especially in the second half of the adventure, of the campaign we had more undead creatures and like you had hags in that last adventure and right it seemed like there was more magic as it kind of went along yeah the other thing is i didn't limit your character types and so Mm -hmm. it was not a realistic (laughs) it was not a realistic character a player character group either yeah yeah you know we had a aracokra and we had you you're warforged and we Mm -hmm. had a changeling and Mm -hmm. and and i think everybody ended up with some sort of spell ability Magic ability, yeah, too. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yes. Well, let's see. Uh, we had one rogue who was a thief. That's thief. right. That's right. But other than that, yeah, we had then the sorcerer and the and you're the cleric. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So how did it feel to you as far as the magic level? It felt um, like a fantastical place, like almost yeah, like a, yeah. it was something out of a of a pumped up like Grimm's fairy tale kind of world. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Where there was magic around, but magic was still something that was sort of 
on the outskirts of society and yeah, right. weird people like us did it and not the general populace. Right, right. That's really good feedback also. My thought is if if I really wanted to make it low magic, you know, even Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings low, mm. which is still pretty high magic, really, in some ways. Yeah. I, I think I would have had to mandate more of the player character choices. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Because D and D, it just has so much magic infused in it. Yeah, it's true. And, but actually, it's a it was a pretty fun way to go. I thought I thought it, mm-hmm. you know it was it worked out pretty well. So yeah. Okay, let's go to the next one. It was a slower pace and with downtime. Yeah, we had two sets of two weeks each of downtime, so that seemed to work. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I loved yeah, that cool. downtime stuff because, like I cool. said, the the incentive being the character stuff. I really liked, of course, the stuff that my character was involved in doing. But I really enjoyed listening to the stories of other the other people in the campaign and what their characters yeah. got up to. It was a, a great window into how they want to play their character and what their character is all yeah. about. Yeah, it was fascinating. Nice. Good stuff. Nice. And the last one is my homebrew setting of Halcyon, which we just did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. And, you know, Halcyon is really just a plug and play campaign setting. It's pretty anything works in it. Anything I get, I just find a place to put it. Um, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I like the idea of it growing over time, even if it's not really very holistic. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I had a list of things just to seed the conversations for the session zero. So I had some hooks that I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. So this wasn't my intent necessarily; it was more just things I wanted to consider. This should be maybe faster. Yeah. Uh, so espionage was the first one, and I don't think we really did espionage. That not wasn't. Much. We didn't really have characters who were that into that. Yeah. Ooh, Mega Dungeon is the second one. Mm, right. We didn't really do a Mega Dungeon, but we kind of did. <laughs> it turned out the <laughs> Undercity, under Mornheim, really is a Mega Dungeon, and you explored it three different times at three different sections mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I'm considering doing later on is there are other parts and there are connections. So the part that you entered in yes, the last session right. could, could connect. With the part mm-hmm. that you had explored mm-hmm. two or three, four sessions ago. Yep. So I think at least some of that was there. The campaign wasn't centered around the Mega Dungeon, but there definitely was a, a dungeon, Mega Dungeon, that you connected with. It certainly felt like we had just barely dipped our toe in that Undercity and that there yeah, was a, a large expanse. You know, I have to admit, that was emergent, too. I did That was not an idea I walked in with with this campaign. Mm. It just worked out. And I would need it somewhere for you guys to go. And mm-hmm. it seemed fun. Yeah, it was. It was an idea that I came up with in the spring, I think. You know, part of it is that we live in Seattle, you and I do. Mm, right. And Seattle has this underground. Right. If you ever come and visit Seattle, go on the Seattle Underground Tour. It's great. It tells you the history mm-hmm. of it. And essentially, they had they had built the city on the shore of Puget Sound. And it just started to settle. It was like all fill land. Yeah. And when it got wet, it settled. And so they just decided the city city creators to just build a level up yeah so they built a floor up yep it seems very dungeons and dragons <laughs> totally and this is like a real thing yeah. and so yeah so like now these buildings are still connected underground mm-hmm. a lot of them are down by in pioneer square yeah and so anyway so that kind of inspired some of that mega dungeon feel so the next thing i considered was political intrigue like game of thrones and we didn't really do any of that there was a sort of um, a nod to it with like the houses. Yeah. The different houses are political in, in Mornheim. Factions. Yep. You guys had. But we never really, really got into it. Yeah. yeah. The factions. Right. Yeah. And I think some of that were some hooks that I'd left out for you that you didn't really pursue or we didn't have time to explore. Right. Yeah. And so horror was the next thing that I'd asked. And I, I think I this was a vibe that I really got mm-hmm. from some of the players that they weren't that interested in. A horror feel, really, like a real horror feel. So even though yeah. there were scary things, right. I, we didn't have a real horror feel to it. Mm-hmm. You know, that was another thing because I was interested in some, um, you know, there's some great materials out, uh, you know, mostly in the OSR world that has some really kind of messed, like just brilliant art and this kind of really disturbing stuff, which I kind of like and, and am intrigued by, but... Um, Mm. Like I said, you got to know your group, I think, and, mm-hmm. and that was not something that, <laughs> that came out. So <laughs> so the next one was sweeping, large-scale, world-changing impacts. Lord of the Rings, I think especially like Return of the King, and uh, and Game of Thrones, and which we did mm-hmm. not do. I, I don't think that was something yeah. that really right. happened. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, criminal anti-heroes, like Breaking Bad or Sons of Anarchy. No, not so much. Um, 
that's another thing that I really got the vibe from the group that that wasn't, yeah, the direction. Mm-hmm. Though we did have two rogues. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they were like, one was like a funny rogue. Right, yeah. <laughs> Lilith mm-hmm. was. So Lilith wasn't like a criminal rogue. And even the other rogue was um, was part of a of a guild, right? So there was some structure there as well. Yeah. You know, there could be a campaign there with, because the Thieves mm-hmm. Guild, right, the Sons of Anarchy, like that motorcycle yeah. club. Is really Very just true. a thieves guild, not just, but is a like could be seen as a thieves guild, which could be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so weird magic. So we did a little bit of that. Like um, I was thinking about Conan the Barbarian, where he's a fairly normal guy who encounters these really yeah yeah you know, Lovecraftian monsters occasionally. So we had a little of that, but not a lot. Uh, city adventures. Very much so. Which, That's yes, yeah. That turned out to be we were all over that one half of the campaign. <laughs> uh, wilderness yeah. adventures. Yeah. So we did no wilderness adventures <laughs> at all, and. Let's see. Um, and then there were just right. some questions, yeah. I think. We talked about tone. You know, we already mentioned horror. And I know that some mm-hmm. of the players really like something heroic and fun. But we also had a sense. I didn't get pushback. So about life is dangerous. I was trying to go for that. So mm-hmm. that it's not cruel. Yeah. But it is dangerous. You know, violence has a consequence. I think we really got on board with that as far as actions have consequences. So we need to adjust our thinking as a party about what we want to do yeah good that was definitely a goal so that was all from the initial email that i'd sent and then we had our session zero and got got some more information back to that life is cheap question i had actually written this note here about a process for replacement characters oh (laughs) but nobody died it's true yes indeed one thing i did do was i implemented the the rules out of the dungeon master's guide for major wounds yeah that's what it's called. it might be called something else but there's a table in there and, and it gives you a few recommendations. And so what we did was if you were ever dying, if you had the condition dying, mm-hmm. you had to roll on that table and then suffer mm-hmm. the consequences. So do you want to talk about that? You saw you got <laughs> yeah, I did. that a lot. It was great. Um, it was <laughs> all fuel for more role-playing stuff. I thought it was wonderful. Mend had a, like a, a leg yeah. injury that he was able to end up healing, but... I talked with you about it like during the session and out of the session as well about how I'd like to sort of, he doesn't heal it all the way, right? He, he keeps a little bit of pain in it. So he knows what it's like Mm -hmm. to live with some suffering. So it was a way that I would use, I was using that and rolling it into more character stuff. So I thought it was really fun. That was my experience too. Like you got a few that were able Mm -hmm. to be healed pretty easily later on though. Well, there were two, I think, characters who had really significant injuries. Depending on what you roll, it can either be just be mm-hmm. healed by a heal spell or or you need like a regenerate spell, which right. is really a high right. level magic, which is essentially permanent. Yeah, in this yeah exactly. <laughs> and so we had at least one, maybe two characters with permanent real game of impacting mm. injuries. That seemed pretty cool, yeah. frank, frankly. I was a, a little disappointed at first because your injuries were so temporary. Right. And then finally it kind of got worse, which delighted <laughs> it was very interesting coming back after missing some sessions and finding out that one of the characters was, was now missing an eye i was like oh yep <laughs> the other optional rule that i'd used was the slow healing rules out of the dungeon master's guide mm-hmm. you didn't get all of your hit points back after an extended rest mm-hmm. and i thought that would also slow the campaign down it turned out that didn't come up yeah i don't think at yeah. all part of it was that the a house rule that i did use also was that you couldn't long rest in a dungeon Mm -hmm. there was like one time that i think you were even absent for where they came out rested one night and then went back in okay but otherwise like you went in had an adventure and then had downtime, and so there was plenty of time to heal it did make it seem very it added to that the realism of it the idea that Mm. you go in and you get beat up and you need some time yeah people are sore even yeah. if they're not bleeding, they're sore yeah. and need some time to heal the physical wounds. And then maybe they got some mental stuff to think about, too. The the weird horrors yeah. that they've seen while they're adventuring. Do you think you made any decisions differently with that in mind? Um, Nothing that I can get off the top of my head, no. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it was more of a thematic yeah. change in, in practice yeah. anyway. Okay. And like we were saying, we used we did downtime a couple times. My original idea, because at the just as this campaign was starting, I was really influenced by the OSR, and I remember watching the Matt Colville, especially his earlier videos from a few years ago, did a lot of discussing about how the older editions were really, really incentivized fighters to 
attract henchmen and kind of build kingdoms <laughs> as they leveled up. Mm-hmm. Fighters did that. Thieves, you know, right, thieves right. Built and wizards mm-hmm. built wizards towers. And so I was really interested in that. But I have to admit, like, I didn't get any vibe from y'all that you wanted to build an empire or, or anything permanent, really. Yeah. Like, as characters. I think your, yours was interested in maybe engaging with your temple. Mm-hmm. So that could have, could, still could continue. I think any thoughts that, that I had about it, character-wise, they were, like, years down the road in-game. It's like, we need to establish ourselves. From my point of view, we still felt really new to this place. And we still yeah. needed to figure out... Yeah what was going on or, and kind of get the the vibe of the city, which was so huge. Um, right. And then we we only explored a small portion of it, too. Yeah, you were maybe maybe in a third of the neighborhoods. Yeah, right. And you did not explore the neighborhoods very thoroughly because it was, again, so huge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As I set things up after that, Session Zero, I, well, one of the things that we started with was the idea that everyone knew had a secret and then one character knew that person's secret. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was something mm-hmm. I'd forgotten all about <laughs> since we did it. <laughs> and so the idea was, I thought there would be this great role-playing opportunity. It would connect everyone and there would be these kind of, you know, great interweaving stories. Mm-hmm. So my experience of it was that a third of the group kind of engaged in the process that I'd asked for. Yeah, right. And one of it, so Lilith especially, like her secret was that she was a changeling. But... To keep that secret meant she couldn't use her powers <laughs> like with yeah. the party. Yeah, right. And so the player was like, man, this is a central part of my character and I can't do it yeah. because of this in-character fun mm-hmm. narrative, but like secret. Yeah. So she kind of revealed that pretty quickly, I think in the second session mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. So even though y'all had engaged with it, it didn't drag out at all. Mm-hmm. And we had like a couple players miss the session zero and, you know, people are busy. So this is, it just kind of is what it is. Yeah. But. I don't know. What, what what are your memories about that? How did that, like, looking back now, yeah. how did that compare with what you thought it would play out as mm-hmm. we were starting? I was really intrigued with the idea because I'd never yeah. been in a campaign that had done that before. So I thought, oh, yeah, I thought it'd be a good yeah. hook into the RP stuff. Um, but I found that, so the secret that Mend had that was known by somebody yeah. else uh-huh. I always felt that as a player, it wasn't my job to push men's secret. It was the job of the person that knew the secret. And so mm-hmm. I kind of just let it go. Right, right, right. On the other hand, I totally was thinking about how I can push the secret. And I happened to know Lilith's secret. Right. And so I was trying to every opportunity where she would kind of let something yeah. <laughs> slip a little bit, Mend would kind of double down on that. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, you like I saw you take that face in the thing uh, like that. I think we had a good connection, um, Mend and Lilith, yeah. because of that. I don't know that there were other... I wasn't aware of any other of that kind of stuff that was happening between other party members. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not sure who else got what out of it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed trying to figure out how to do this in a not heavy-handed way yeah, without yeah. just saying, "Ah, oh, you're here's your secret, blah." Everyone yeah. knows now. It was intriguing, but I don't know how much it was utilized. And I thought y'all's y'all's the payoff was really good. Mm. Yeah, to your point, I think it just it didn't spread. Yeah, I think everyone yeah. enjoyed it as you guys role-played it. I think it was everyone had fun with it, but Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I think that's a trend part, partially on purpose and partially just what happened with this campaign was that I threw out a lot of hooks and yeah. a lot of seeds and, mm-hmm. and some things sprouted and some didn't. And uh, that was one of them. Exactly. Yeah. It is a thing, too, that it's like when you give your character an elaborate backstory right at the beginning. It's hard because you don't really know what your character is going to be like, I feel, yep. until you play it for a few sessions. Yeah, yeah. And so having a secret like that, you may realize like with Lilith is like, ooh, maybe that wasn't the secret because now I can't play my character. Yeah. But maybe you come up with a secret and you realize, eh, that's not really the character that I'm playing. Yeah. So th- things like that right up front can be hard to follow through on. That's a really great point. You know, we were just watching uh, uh, the new She-Ra show on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Have you watched any of that? Like I have. I have. Yeah. So season two, and it's really fun. Like it's a fun, cute show, and it's just fun for us when we mm-hmm. want to just kind of eat and relax and whatever. So as a family. And so season two, one of the major characters, Bo, his name is Bo, and he's an archer. 
it's a super cheesy and fun. Yeah. Uh, but there's a whole episode <laughs> where he just like leaves one day at the beginning of the episode. And the whole mm. episode is really about him and his family and his backstory. There were no hints mm. about any of it in the first season and a half oh, of the okay. show. And, and I uh, think that's a great example of like what you could do as a character too, is like instead of plotting out the whole yeah. backstory in around season two, once you have a sense for what the character is and you want to like invest in the background, then you can review yeah, it right. and then see the consequences of, of the character's mm-hmm. life. So anyway, it's just another way to think about it mm-hmm. that was recently... And it worked really well. It was great. Great point. Because by then also he had the dynamics established with his other friends. And so they were invested in his well-being and his family. Right. And his family was invested in his friends mm-hmm. and getting to know each other and all that. And the show had really earned it because we'd seen them together for a season and a half, you know, by then. So. And in D&D, it's not only the characters, right, but the, the dungeon master creating this world. Yes. And so the dungeon master in a few sessions can paint this world for you as a as a player and as a character and so again you can pull on that yeah. um to help build up backstory and uh, character yeah, for you absolutely absolutely uh, you know another thing speaking of that that i had created that i i want to talk about is the religions of mornheim mm. so after session zero i i think i had talked to you about your character that you were going to be following ilmeter mm-hmm. and i knew that lilith would be following the traveler and I knew that Morn is the god who is the, the patron god of Mornheim. Yeah. And so I wanted to really focus the religions. And so like, well, there's three. I just needed one more. And so I did a little research and found Loviatar is uh, kind of the opposing god from the Forgotten Realms. Mm-hmm. from I think Forgotten Realms of Ilmeter. Mm-hmm. So that was my kind of alignment status that I created. Yeah. It was funny because I sent it to y'all and kind of invited you to align that way. And nobody explicitly did anything about it, hmm. but I was thinking if you thought about each character, you could map them on their alignment with these four gods. No, oh, like yeah. So, for example, like there was one worshiper of the traveler, but you know there was another rogue who was pretty, who was pretty chaotic. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. there was the sorcerer who was like probably pretty chaotic too. Yeah, pretty pretty you know mobile mm-hmm. and traveler. You know, and and not not set in one place. Mm-hmm. You know, there was the the fighter, Kai Kone's character, who was also, you know, pretty prone to endure suffering, and yeah. but also very organized. And he was, was a carpenter, but still, I think he also was very kind of mourn-related mm-hmm. in his nature. Yeah. It really made me kind of wonder, um, like, maybe 10 seasons down the road in the, in the TV show of this campaign, how those characters uh-huh. set, settle out. Right. Where, where they make their homes in this giant mm. city attaching to maybe some of those religions uh-huh, um, uh-huh. or maybe just, you know, tacitly attaching to them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. by virtue of their personalities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. This alignment question is always fascinating to me. You know, on the one hand, that nine grid alignment chart is so compelling. Like it's around for a reason. People yeah. talk about it all the time. Non D and D people know mm-hmm. the alignment chart. Yeah. And on the other, like, that's not what alignments used to be. It used to be, and I think Dungeon Crawl Classics, for example, still has it this way, where a chaotic alignment just means your nature is to oppose the established order. Yes, right. So it's not really about you being chaotic. Mm -hmm. It's about your actions leading to chaos. Yeah. And so the point in that game is every wizard is chaotic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Like, by definition. (laughs) That's it. Like, that's just it, you know. And um, most humans are order Mm -hmm. or law Mm -hmm. because like you're living like you're living your life like most of us have jobs we're living our lives like come on most even if you think you're you know not (laughs) if you're an artist or whatever right yeah yeah you know you probably are (laughs) exactly exactly you know then there's the idea that it's more about your faction than your behavior Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. anyway it can go on forever but i wanted to kind of shift it a little bit from that nine grid yeah put a face to it oh i like that let's go through the other house rules that I used. Mm-hmm. The first was initiative. So I totally used a different initiative system than is in right. the basic, you know, fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons. And so the problem I was trying to solve was that setup time where, where you're having a role play, you decide there's a fight, you say roll initiative, everyone rolls, you have to get the initiative cards or whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. You go around and I have to write all the numbers and then I have to f- either roll or just figure out what the the monsters are. Yeah, yeah. And then I figured out and then we get to play. Mm-hmm. And I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I hated it. 
I mean, I more hated the idea. I didn't mind the process. Mm, yeah. Just because I, I knew how to do it, but it wasn't the point of the game, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I just decided each encounter who would go first and then I either went clockwise or counterclockwise. Yeah. And once or twice I split the monsters. You know, I had my position at the seat, so I so I did monsters and some I would do across from me to split them mm. up so they wouldn't be like 20 monsters all attacking on the same initiative turn. Yeah. But I think, it, like I said, I only did that a couple times. Mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. How? Did, what did you think about that? I think what I can say is I did not miss rolling initiative at all. It's a new experience, right? I've never not ruled for initiative before. Yeah. And it seems like a big change, but it's not really. I mean, it's mm-hmm. mechanically, it's a mm-hmm. big change as far as what's happening at the table. Mm-hmm. But I didn't notice it like impact the game negatively or anything like that. It uh-huh. was nice to know when my turn was just by who was, you know, which way we were going. Totally. It's definitely something I'm going to keep in my DM toolkit uh-huh. as I think about uh, running campaigns in the future because it seems like a really just easy cool. way of running a combat or yeah. an encounter. Another problem was I had once or twice I forgot which direction I was supposed to be going clockwise or counterclockwise (laughs) but yeah that's that's a risk (laughs) so but everyone's paying attention so i think we figured it out pretty quickly (laughs) yeah as with all things if you're humble and willing to accept feedback quickly it's that's right quickly so i try i think sometimes i'm better at that than others but (laughs) i had explicitly said that y'all could use the optional actions from the dungeon master's guide i don't think anyone ever did i don't think so yeah there are a couple i remember thinking about them i knew that they were available to us but I never yeah. thought it was something that I wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I guess they're optional. Yeah, totally. It's a tumble, disarm, overrun, and shove aside are, are the ones yeah. I was calling out there. Yeah. So that was fine. The other one that I am still puzzling about a little bit was morale. I mm. had intended to use those more often to try to speed up combats a little bit. And mm-hmm. I did a couple times, mm-hmm. but... I mostly forgot, and when I did apply morale, it was more just DM's fiat, not when these conditions happen, mm. then yeah. I roll. Like, which was my goal. I was like, okay, if, if you kill the boss, we'll roll you know, yeah. wisdom of yeah. monsters and see if they flee. Yeah, did you experience that as a player at all? Were you thinking about would they flee or any of that? I wasn't. I'd forgotten that we had talked yeah. about it. As a player, it's something uh-huh. that I always think would make a game better, that if you kill the leader, you know, yeah. cut off the head of the snake and, you know. No, that's totally fair. And the worst part about these optional rules that I was using was remembering them. Mm, yeah, right. <laughs> like the, you know, same with the lingering wounds stuff. There were lingering injuries. I forgot. You went down in the last session and I forgot to roll for your yeah. lingering injuries. And um, Arias went down once mm-hmm. and I forgot until like three days at later. Literally three days later, I was, I remembered. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, well, <laughs> we had a whole... Mm-hmm. We played for an hour after that happened. I can't like retcon. I could because you can do what you yeah, want. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like that. That's tacky. <laughs> so, so I didn't do that. Yeah. I think I need to like put it in the screen or something like the DM screen. Mm, just thinking about it, it might be nice to have those rules like written out on a card that's just thrown out on the table, so we all remember. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's something that as a, a as point. a player too. I mean, that's part of the the shared job right is that we should have remembered that as well yeah um, yeah falling down a little bit on yeah. the job uh, as a player as well yeah I, I always think that if everyone forgets it's it's no one's mm. fault because <laughs> there's just some there's some a structural thing there that's kind of missing either the rule is too mm-hmm. weird or uh, in this case it was just unfamiliar both both morale and lingering yeah. injuries i think um, and both happen in the most exciting parts of the game and so i think everyone is so compelled yes about, like what are they going to do next and taking their turn and like all that yeah. other stuff that then remembering yeah. this is tricky. Which, I mean, if you're going to forget a rule, it best it happen when everyone is totally involved in what's going on during the game, right? Yeah, I like your idea though of like maybe putting reminders up or something. That, that seems like a good idea. So another thing about this campaign was that I had created a calendar for the first time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I started the session, the first like nine sessions, probably eight or nine sessions with the the date and the weather report uh. <laughs> every time. <laughs> and then I forgot because I forgot I couldn't find the document <laughs> where I had put the calendar. And I couldn't find the part of my document where my weather mm-hmm. plan was. So I uh. had two different things. I, I had All right. a, For the weather, I had a table that I was going to roll every time. 
And then for a while, mm-hmm. I was patterning it after Juno, Alaska. <laughs> so whatever Juno's Alaska's weather on on whatever the proxy of that date. So springtime was the when it was when it was set. That was the weather of Mornheim. <laughs> so I don't know, like what? How did that feel? I'm curious. Like what did that? Did you notice? Was it just like a, a, another thing to sit through until we got to the game? When you mentioned it, is when I remembered it. I totally lost track yeah, of. Yeah, yeah time of year it was what month or day and that's totally on me as a yeah, player yeah. i was using the dnd yeah. beyond character sheet stuff for the first time fully electronically as a player oh yeah yep and i hadn't figured out a good way to take my notes oh i have sporadic notes in like nine different places on my character <laughs> yeah. sheet <laughs> and so i enjoyed the weather and the date reminders yeah because it does help pull me back in to that world but I didn't know when we, I didn't know where we were or when. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't. But I have to admit, like it, kind of the inverse of the lingering injuries and the morale, more than once, other players who were taking notes told me what the date was or asked me what the date was. Yes. Like, the last yeah. I noticed it was this. What's the date now? And I was like, ooh, dang, cool. And, mm-hmm. you know, when players mm-hmm. are asking, oh, that means it's hooking at least a little bit, you know? Yeah. It's a little like mm-hmm. when you do a. Um, a non-player character's name it, mm. it, it's easy to forget to write those down and then someone your players yeah. will like tell you because they wrote it down you know uh, yeah it's like oh yeah oh, that must have been worth remembering it was important to somebody <laughs> at least for a moment mm-hmm. so another challenge that i had with and and we've talked about this recently in fact on this show was the the pace of combats mm. mm-hmm. in session zero we talked about it a little bit and didn't really come to a consensus. I think everyone agreed that we didn't want... Well, the three players who came to Session Zero agreed we didn't mm-hmm. want combat to take a long time. But right. nobody was really enthused about me being kind of the top-down boss to impose losing a turn or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you hate being the babysitter as a DM, you know, and being the nag. Yeah, yeah. Like, nobody wins from that. And so I really wanted to make sure people... I had people's permission and, and enthusiastic consent mm-hmm. before I'm going to mm-hmm. nag them or take their turn away, you know? Yeah, and I didn't right. have it, right? Yeah. And then when the two other players joined, they hadn't been part of that original conversation and so yeah. they there was a little bit of a kind of a gap there, a difference. Mm-hmm. So my opinion, I'd love you for you to throw in your two cents. Yeah. So what I asked was Every time it's your turn, you ha- you can try one experimental thing. So you can ask one set of questions about, if I use this spell this way, will it do what I want? Mm-hmm. And then if you don't do that, you just need to attack. <laughs> you you can't then say, I want to do this with this spell. Oh, okay, nah, I don't want to do that. And yeah, then right. ask another chain of questions about another spell or another, or can I, you know, can I jump up and swing across and like, no, mm-hmm. you just attack or something. Yeah. You know, have a go-to yeah. And so at least then you're not chaining. Yes. Because then I was trying to balance, right? The, the It's fun to kind of experiment and to kind of do fun things. Yeah. Without just waiting and waiting. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think we strayed maybe a little bit kind of in some of the middle sessions, but then I reminded folks and I, and I felt like people were giving a good faith effort to kind of keep it mm-hmm. rolling. Yeah, I totally agree. That's what yeah. it seemed like. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I think it went over well because I was noticing, oh, turns are clipping along here. Mm-hmm. This is kind of a nice change of pace because I'm I'm used to there being people in the group who to take a long time with their turns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially since it was stated at the beginning that at least with, like you said, with the three of us um, who were present at that session zero, the handing over of that task to you as far as say we're OK mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. For you to nudge us along, we all mm-hmm. like it when things progress yeah. smoothly. And so, yeah, I was I was totally up for it because I, as a player myself, I'm always cognizant of the amount of time I'm taking up and yeah, not too. wanting to eat up, eat into other people's enjoyment of actually playing the game and rolling dice and doing all that fun stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. like you said, when you said had have a question and then have action ready to go. Yeah. And I kind of had that in my head. Cool. It's like, cool. all right, can I do this spell? No, yes. It's just an easy decision tree, right? Yes, it's, exactly. Because <laughs> I think a lot of D&D can be like the, there's so many options, it can be really easy to bo- get bogged down. Yeah. And removing some of those doesn't really remove the number of choices you can make. Uh-huh. It just speeds them up. 
Yeah. Um, and so I thought it was really helpful and worked well. I think of it as like in professional football um, or actually even even amateur football. When you're the quarterback and like, you know, who your primary receiver is or but you have to wait for mm-hmm. that. your deep threat for them to get open. Right. And so you're kind of waiting yep. and you're scrambling. But then there's a point where it's like, yeah. oh, man, I just got to I got to have my go to your running back who's like just, you know, in the flat. Yeah. You got to check down. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. Check down to the running back in the flat. And get your yep. three yards and then just move on, right? I didn't quite use that language, but that's what I was hoping y'all would do is like, okay, have your check down. Like, yeah, see if your big bang play is there. And if that doesn't, just, you know, just check mm-hmm. it down, get your three yards in a roll to attack, <laughs> and maybe you'll crit. Who knows, right? Yeah, <laughs> so. exactly. I think Kayakoni mentioned it was like sometimes battles as puzzles. So like fourth edition, which we've spent a lot of time mm, talking about. Yeah, recently, right. You kind of felt like most of those battles were puzzles. Like mm-hmm. there was a correct way to do it. Yeah. A solution. Yeah. And fifth edition can go there too. And I think we had agreed, at least the four of us in session zero. And I think the others agreed with that too, that Mm -hmm. that's not really what we're into right now in this game. Yeah. So that fed into it a little bit too. Like I still tried to make them interesting, Mm -hmm. but not like there was a solution. Yeah. All of our combats that I can remember always felt really characterful. I think the action as it unfolded, people were being motivated by what their character would do, which is great. It, there wasn't a lot of yeah. metagaming. This is what I think is the most optimal kind of deal <laughs> because right, we weren't right. posed with those. Like you said, we weren't posed with those combats right. as puzzles. So we felt free to go yeah. ahead and just do maybe the least optimal thing, but the most characterful thing. That just reminded me, I want to talk about that last session just a little bit, mm-hmm. but I think maybe we'll do that last. Let's talk about your your character arc. Right, yeah. When you created Mend... Mm-hmm. How did you expect them to to show up in the session? And then what happened? The original kind of concept I had was a total outsider who's very unfamiliar with humanity and doesn't know how to act around a people and doesn't like being around people. Okay. And I found that almost immediately to be the almost the exact opposite of what men wanted to be. I found that men wanted to be <laughs> yeah. around people, didn't know how, though. And so right. that was way <laughs> nice. more exciting to play. Yes. He's that kid that really wants to be part of the game, but doesn't know how to ask. And so just goes oh, and man. stands yeah, at the yeah. side and watches. So oh, that was it. it was a really interesting shift, which was great. But another part of it was the fact that I missed a bunch of sessions from this campaign. I think I missed like a a third. I think you missed a third. Yeah. Yeah. Which was three or four enough to, I felt like every time I came back, it was like I had to, I was starting over Mm, with my mm. character. Yeah. And it was, it's a really difficult way to play Dungeons and Dragons. Can Dungeons and Dragons all about a shared experience. And when you're not there, you kind of have to, okay, now I'm taking a, a, as a player, I'm definitely taking a backseat to try and find what the vibe is that the party created when I was gone or that the players created yeah. at the table yeah. when I was gone. And so that was yeah. not optimal, but very mm-hmm. interesting for me as a as a player to, yeah. re- to realize that, oh, wow, right, this is that shared gaming experience and these are the real impacts it has on the player and the character when you miss a game, when you miss sessions. You know, one of the things I had done for everybody was that I made really dynamic parts of the campaign kind of reaching out to you. (laughs) So everybody had hooks. Everybody had a lot of things they could explore that only affected their character if they took them. And if you didn't, it would pass on by, which which was totally fine because there was too much for you to do as a party anyway. Mm-hmm. My design, because I wanted Mornheim to feel immense and huge. And I wanted yes, I wanted the yep. moments to be, not to drive towards a plot. End. Mm. And I, I compare that with like the structure of A New Hope, Star Wars Episode 4, where it's like, you know, in the first scene that Luke is going to blow up the Death Star. Oh, okay, yeah. If you stop the movie after five minutes, you would, you could guess yeah. that. Right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm being a little hyperbolic, but pretty mm-hmm. much you could, you know, and like. Spielberg structures all his movies this way. Like, you know what's going to happen in the first five minutes. But, like, episode five, The Empire Strikes Back, you never know what's Mm going to happen from one second to the (laughs) next. Never. You have no idea. Luke gets beat up for two hours. And it ends, it just kind of stops, right? These movies just kind of stop. Exactly, yeah. There's great movies of both sides, but just as a structure, Mm -hmm. you know, there's just a difference, Mm -hmm. right? Um, You know, Taxi Driver is another one that just kind of stops when you're looking in the kind of classic movie world. The 
Godfathers Part mm-hmm. One and Two. Mm-hmm. Things happen, tension builds, but there's not this yeah. ending. It's been twenty years since I've seen The Godfather. I have no idea what happens at the end, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I could name some things that happened in the right, movies, right, right, right. <laughs> but, but I know what happened in Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? We all know exactly. Like in ET, yeah. we know how those ended. <laughs> so anyway, a lot of game masters design their campaigns to be like Star Wars. They have an mm. ending in mind. You know, they have mm-hmm. a villain to be killed. And my last campaign was this way. Yeah. Right. They have a villain to be killed and there's tunnels and things that can happen. And the character player characters have choice and agency. But sure. Ultimately, we know how it's going to end. Yeah. And so I wanted to turn that on its ear completely. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And see what emerged just from the moments in mm-hmm. play. The reason I brought this all up was your absence is screwed it all up. <laughs> Not screwed it all up. You're welcome. <laughs> you know, we had the temple and I had brother. Um, I had that one character, brother, what's his name, who uh, worked with your character a lot with Mend and then sibling Schroeder, who I yes, introduced. Right. And yeah. um, I had a whole like idea about, I don't know. Yeah, I always have a lot of ideas, but I had a whole idea about what mm-hmm. might happen with them. We didn't pursue yeah. it, right? Yeah. The same thing happened with Lilith, with Moira's character, Lilith, where there was a whole faction mm-hmm. of changelings mm-hmm. that she learned about, but then she was absent yeah. for two or three episodes. Right. So we did yep. something else, you know, and, and that it's all great. That was the effect. That was the impact. And yeah, actually, I love it. On one hand, it's more work. And on the other hand, it's less work for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't plot anything out, but I needed hooks. Yeah. Every session, I couldn't just open a book and read it. Mm-hmm. I had to kind of be a right, little more organic right. with it. But my prep wasn't that long either, so I so I shouldn't really complain. Like because I was only planning one session, yeah, ahead. <laughs> so I yeah. wasn't even doing like the whole thing. And that's the interesting thing about when you want to do it sort of organically and just throw out a bunch of hooks and then see what what happens. You can't yeah. prep. There's only so much prep that you can do as a dungeon master. Right. <laughs> so it can save you some work. I mean, it it can cause some people some stress, you know, not knowing what's going to happen. But if you roll with it like you did, some really compelling stuff can happen. And I used Mike Shea, Mm -hmm. you know, of Sly Flourish's Lazy Dungeon Master template. And I feel bad because I haven't bought the book and I want to. He deserves it. But he he makes the template and stuff. Mm -hmm. A lot of that's available online and he talks about it freely. And so it's just like, you know, the key things, you know, do you have a hook for each character? Do you have some magic items? Yeah. Do you have some monsters? Do you have some encounters? And generally, mm-hmm. I thought that worked pretty well. There was there was mm-hmm. a few I felt a little unprepared about, but generally I felt pretty good. All right. Anything else about the general campaign? I just had a general question for you. In a really broad way, did the campaign do what you wanted it to do? Mm. Yeah. So in a yes or no, mm-hmm. which we'll start with, mm-hmm. and then nothing's ever that simple. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say yes. Yeah. Clearly, enthusiastically, yes. It was a lot of fun. I think it felt good. Mm -hmm. It felt fun. The city felt alive. I I think the reaction from Mm y'all was what I was hoping for. I think I had a higher ratio of fun to stress than maybe some of my other games. Yeah. So on that level, yeah. Mm -hmm. I One thing I was challenged with that I do want to talk a little bit about was that at the time this session, this campaign was starting... I was really invested in a in a creator who I like mm. quite a lot. And so I had bought like three or four of his yeah. adventures, including a, a city a city guide. And we've talked mm-hmm. about it in the early episodes. We learned early on, like after yeah. the second session, I think, of the campaign or maybe the first, that there were, let me just be factual, well, what we know is there were credible accusations of ab- abuse and, mm-hmm. and harassment. And that's, yeah. and that's being a little yeah. too safe, I think. But anyway, <laughs> so that's what we know. What I, I believe they were credible. And so mm-hmm. I think that just put a taint on everything. So I had invested all this kind of time and energy and money, frankly, yeah, in these right. hardback, beautiful books that now I didn't want to, mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. don't want to read, right? And and so I still used one of them quite a lot because I, yeah. I just had too much invested. And it's, like I said, it's really good. Right. I would have used others more freely, I think, but it's just not that fun to read books that I know yeah. are created yeah. by people right. who I believe to be abusers. Mm-hmm. So that sucked, which had nothing yeah. to do with yeah. y'all. There was like two books, especially that I really wanted to do. Yeah. More of, and I still don't know what I'm going to do. Right. Like they're gorgeous, but I, yeah, but I just don't, I don't know. So mm-hmm. that, on that level, I had to pivot in a way, had to, yeah, frankly, yeah. a moral decision to pivot um, and mm-hmm. kind of reskin some things and whatever. But so there was that challenge. It was interesting watching you do that. Cause we had talked about mm-hmm. uh, some of those products, before we started the campaign yeah. and I knew that you were really excited yeah. excited about them and you're basing a lot yeah. of the detail in the campaign about what you're going to get out of them and to have those yeah. tools yeah. removed 
was yeah. throws things into disarray, really. And it was, to your credit, too, very upfront and open with the, the gaming group about what was going on mm-hmm. and your decision process, which was great. And you're saying, I'm going to use some things that I have to for this, but for the most part, I'm not using that stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It was kind of like watching someone do magic on stage as <laughs> nice. as as I'm watching <laughs> you s- still do what you want with the tools that you had. Yeah. And it was. Right. Yeah, it yeah. was. I thought you did a, a really good job with it. I really appreciate that. I uh, we're not naming him. The reason is not from mm-hmm. fear, but to not give him right. a platform. And so that's that's why we're avoided. We're dancing around that. And if I'm not afraid of reprisals, I, we have that privilege mm-hmm. or I have that mm-hmm. privilege that I'm not worried and plus we're we're small fish in a big in a bigger pool yeah we've talked about it on the podcast before as well so it's you know yeah we're talking about it from a different angle yeah. and so yeah we just don't feel the yeah. need to reprise it maybe just just a word about that last session yeah i wanted to do i knew it was the last session i wanted to do a dungeon i had this whole creative process as we've talked about the campaign is not just hack and slash it's not about kind mm-hmm. of combat as puzzles so i intentionally had every a lot of kind of interaction with all the non-player characters. That's why I had that initial mm-hmm. flesh golems there as a puzzle. Never occurred to me y'all would fight before speaking. I thought you would either <laughs> talk to them first, get the puzzle, and run the other way, or maybe solve the puzzle. And I, it never occurred to me that you would fight. And you guys took like two shots at mm-hmm. it too, at the, at the combat. And the, the actual challenge of that was then it was beginning to grind. Yeah. Because they were a little tough for you guys. You, yes. Uh, and they were depowered flesh. Yeah. Games. They weren't even the maxed kind, but, but they were stiff. Right. There was a point, like, I, I swear to God, you guys used like a third of the session on the first room. Yeah. And it's very I true. Like, Jesus, I have got to get them out of here. Like, what, <laughs> yeah. what am I going to do? And, <laughs> and finally, I think, I think you all kind of agreed that you needed to just get out of there, but it was yeah. So right out of the gate. And then I had to cut other stuff. So I had more content with the hags. So there were three hags. And the reason I had done that was that, Hags in 5th edition D&D, when there are three or more, have a coven, and they have a whole other set of powers available to them mm-hmm. that make them very dangerous. Yeah. And so the idea was mm-hmm. if you all failed and didn't resolve the first two, the ghost and the sobbing hag in pain, you would have right. three of them to fight. And the CR yeah. of one wasn't that high, frankly, but yeah. three of them mm-hmm. would have been, I think, and I could have engineered it so that it was possible, but it would have been tough. Yeah. The dungeon was supposed to have this puzzle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> feel mm-hmm. to it and there was a whole like two rooms that you that i just cut out because of time, didn't right have time, uh, yeah. with the ghost around the ghost tag like there you were supposed to have to earn that more than you did but but we mm. wanted the end right and so and i did too i was committed to to that yeah we just had to adjust on the fly which is yeah. fun that's part of the fun but yeah right so i'm a little sad of like oh <laughs> you know, the cutting room floor <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> you know, cut for time it's a great scene for the director's cut yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man, be so great. <laughs> so great. I have to admit, the flesh golem stuff, uh, the thought ran through my head more yeah. than once. Oh, so this is how the campaign ends. We're all killed by flesh golems. I wonder... The first room I wonder the what dungeon. Chad really had in store for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Y'all's tactics were terrible. Oh, <laughs> they think they, they were tactics. I think there were reactions and uh, <laughs> impulse control problems. Okay, so I think I think the show's gone a little long. So do you have any any other final reflections about uh, the Mornheim Halcyon campaign? I think the the best thing I can say about it is that it ended and I want to visit that place again sometime. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and so I'm as, as you know and uh no, I'm getting married in a few weeks mm-hmm. and it's the holiday season. And so there's a lot of reasons for me to kind of have a little gaming hiatus or at least a D&D yeah. hiatus. And then I'm really looking forward to kind of seeing where, what I want mm-hmm. to do creatively in the new year. Kayakoni might run some D&D. Um, I will definitely be DMing again in the future. I fully intend to DM in 2020, but I haven't decided yet. I might, you know, given the baggage of, of Mornheim now, yeah. of that creator yeah. and all that, and my own inspiration, mm-hmm. I might go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But I'm leaning towards picking up at level four so that anybody who plays in that campaign who played in this campaign can just ah, bring their characters yeah. over. If nobody wants to do that, 
I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'll maybe I'll do something else. But that's my go. current nice. thought. Oh. Nice. All right. So I think we should probably wrap this thing up. Yes, indeedy. The best way you can help the show is to spread the love. Tell your friends. Tell your gaming group. You know, mention it to the guy in the gaming store and the and the woman in the comic side of the store. You know, we also love all the usual things. So we love reviews. We love likes. We love all that stuff. And if you want to engage with us directly, we love that too. We're actually very social people in our ways. And uh, Twitter's a good way to do that with me. I am uh, at ContClockwise, C-O-N-T-C-L-O-C-K-W-I-S-E. And Galen, how? Uh, what do you want to tell folks? Uh, the best way you can get in contact with me is either to use, use the message spell from D&D. Barring that, though, you nice. can get a hold of me on Twitter at, at Zobmi, Z-O-B-M-I-E. Uh, I'd love to hear what you thought about the show, thoughts you have for other shows, just talking about gaming in general. Love to hear from you. See, it's all fun and games now, but when, when people like are whispering <laughs> in your ear from miles away, <laughs> you're going to wish you hadn't. <laughs> no, no, no. I have that anti-scrying <laughs> thing, though, so spells. I'll be okay. I'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you will. All righty, folks. Until next time, take care of each other. And game great. And game great.